All right, welcome to another episode of Language for Liberation podcast. It's your boy Bakari Ibrahim, aka OG Baka, and I'm joined by once again my philosophical co-host, Mr. Bear Holmes Pittner. How you doing today, bro? I'm good, man. How you doing? Good, man. Good. How's your week been so far? What's What's the news? Uh, the, you know, the week's been a week just doing work and reading stuff and writing things. You know, philosophical existence. Uh, you know. Yeah. I dig it. I will say that, um, you know, this week has, you know, taken an interesting turn now that, you know, Joe Biden has announced uh, Kamala Harris as his running mate. Oh, yeah. So good um, week. I don't have any. It's a good week. (laughs) Good week. You know, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, where we go from here, you know, leading into the conventions. And, you know, as our audience knows that we'll definitely be having some commentary in the coming weeks. But, you know, let's get right into it. You know, um, you know, this week's word is posh lost which is a, um, you know, which is Russian for vulgarity. Yeah. So, you know, tell me about the history of the word posh loss. You know, what does it mean? I know it's a loose translation. You know, what are the different layers of the word? Yeah. So the, the word means vulgarity, but as with most words in another language, like there things get lost in translation. And so the normal way that the most common way that people will say posh loss will be like someone like, wearing barely any clothes in public you know they'd say that's like that's vulgar or that's crude that to to exist like this but then there's like another layer where like say there's a like a mobster and he gets arrested and he they when he gets arrested they go into his house and they bust him and you you got like the piles of money and probably like you know piles of cocaine and stuff and then you look at his house and it's just filled with all this gaudy ugly stuff and you're like, that's just vulgar. And it's, it's, and it's because, you know, he got all this money by doing all these crimes. And then what did he do with his money? He just like filled his house with a bunch of junk to make it look like he has yeah. money. Like, what a bum, you know, like what a, what a poshly guy. And so also like posh loss is the noun and poshly is the adjective. So like, you know, okay. it can be poshly. Uh, and so... So anyway, so like that's the the foundation, the most common like understood part of the word. But what got me like really interested was when I learned about the word, I also learned about this book by Vladimir Nabokov about the Russian author Nikolai Gogol. And in that book, Nabokov wrote like 11 pages trying to like explain the importance of posh loss to like the American English speaking world. Because with Russian literature, there's a lot of Russian literature that has like become popular in English, but Gogol and Poshloss really haven't been too like significant concepts or like individual concepts. And so when um, Nabokov tried to make Poshloss palatable to Americans, he changed the loss, which is L-O-S-T. It's Poshloss is spelled P-O-S-H-L-O-S-T to Poshlust. L-U-S because like a part of the vulgarity of being like a poshly person is that uh, is that you like lust after people. There's like an mm. uncontrollable lust where like it's kind of vulgar. Your courtship is just crude and, you know, not refined. Um, and so anyways, when you put all that together, I just immediately thought of Donald Trump when I heard yeah. this word posh loss. It's just like, yeah, so this dude is like a corrupt mobster he is 
he does do a lot of like vulgar lusty he's falsely important falsely intelligent <laughs> exactly yeah like the example in nabokov where he says that Poshloss is the falsely important the falsely intelligent the falsely beautiful it's like that's donald trump right there like he's he's as false as you can get in everything that he does and so and so i thought it was really funny that a russian word yeah existed to describe like the unique type of vulgarity that is donald trump because it's not that he's just vulgar and that he's in a club being like a creep which uh in his younger days donald trump was definitely that guy but like it has mm -hmm. the layers of trump right throughout all of throughout all of it from like how he carries himself to how he sees himself to how he um, even exposes ideas on other people. It's all past loss. Yep. A hundred percent. And I just thought this was just so awesome. <laughs> you know, it's interesting hearing the word because, um, you know, when you introduced it to me, you know, we, we vibed over the, you know, the Donald Trump and the Russian and how it's aligned. But as I hear you, you know, explain it, you know, the, the idea of falsely important, you know, falsely intelligent. Um, I also get this sense of like a, individualism and selfishness and generally a, a lack of care for community that comes like it seems like it's one in the same or someone who could be posh lost could be in the same way very individualistic 100 um, percent. and you know and thinking to like our society today and just like how that individualism and vulgarity in quotation marks has just proliferated through our entire society. So, you know, how do you see vulgarity or posh loss like degrading American society or how do you see it like on a community level? Great question because like the first thing that got me interested in the word was that it just immediately sounded like Donald Trump. But as I looked at the word more, it just reminded me of like the systemic problems of the US because so one other facet of posh loss that I believe is for like the, those heads of state who instead of like serving the people, they are, they're using the power of the government to serve themselves. Like they, they become president and they become rich and they, they break a bunch of laws to stay president and, and then they, they right. rig everything so that they, they can't ever leave office. And it's like, you know, they definitely, but the reason that they are corrupt or bad presidents is because they're using this office whose sole purpose is to serve the collective to serve themselves. Like right. that's why they become vulgar because they are serving themselves when they should be serving other people. And, and so if you look at, the u.s as a whole like our whole the ethos of america is to like come here and get yours you know serve yeah. yourself be be an individual the american dream is to get get yours <laughs> get yours show up someplace you'll be like a nobody from someplace you come to america and we'll let you do almost anything to get that money and then once you get mm -hmm. that money now like you're good to go and once you get that money, we don't care what you do with it because you earned it, you know? And so if you have right. a house that's filled with a whole bunch of gaudy junk, we'll say, that's just his taste. That's just, that's just his, that's his, that's, that's his or her style. And we don't have the language for like articulating how 
problematic this is to be in a, a to for the stability of society. And so, mm-hmm. so now this is kind of like the pathway that got me into this word even more is like Nabokov had this little book about Gogol and Gogol's like prevalence of posh loss in his work. So then next thing you know, I had to like read Gogol and like Gogol has this book and this book is like the book that's all about posh lost. It's just Mm -hmm. boom. And it's called dead souls. Okay. Mm. And this is why it's called dead souls. And you'll see how this connects to the U S really quickly. Um, With dead souls, there is this guy, the main character is this guy named Chichkov, and he's going into an unnamed Russian town. And what he wants to do is back in the day, Russia was still like a landowning, surf-based economy. You know, like they're the right. aristocrats and they own a bunch of serfs. And one of the key differences between like owning serfs in Russia and owning slaves in the US is that the landowners had to pay a tax on all of their mm. serfs. So like, you know, the census would come around every 10 years, they'd count up how many serfs you have, and this would be the amount of tax you'd have to pay for all the serfs. In America, they said all the, all the, all the people that you own, those actually contribute to House of Representative seats and con- you know, congressional apportionment and electoral college delegates. So like, right. you didn't pay a tax in America, you actually just got more power by owning you exploited more. The, you exploited the, your power by owning more people, right? Yeah, in Russia, you had to pay a tax. And so, wow. and so, so it's almost like it was, a, it's almost like a built, they had a built in deterrent in, in some ways, or at least a, a psychological deterrent in some ways to at least give a fuck. Yeah. Well, you could say like, at the, it, it, mostly I'd say it's because the czar needs to find a way to tax all these like aristocrats so that he's rich and he has the right. most serfs. Like he, the czar ain't t- taxing himself on serfs, you know? True indeed. And so like, very fair. All these other aristocrats got to be beholden to him, so you pay a surf tax. Ha <laughs> ha, suckers, you know? That's interesting. And so, huh. so what happens is these serfs, there's like a, a harsh winter, and a lot of serfs died. When the serfs die, you still have to pay the tax. If you could stop paying taxes because your serfs died, how many aristocrats would go and show up and just falsely say a bunch of serfs died? You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so no, mm-hmm. if your serfs die, you still got to pay the tax. The only tax way you don't pay taxes on your serfs is if you sell them and you like got to bring that document to like the government offices and say, wow. you know, I'm selling this person. This is going to result in me not having to pay the surf tax on so and so. This guy's paying those taxes now. And so, so in this movie, in this book, uh, Chichikov shows up in this town. And since it was a harsh winter, a lot of serfs died. His ingenious idea is that he's going to buy the dead serfs. So he's going to go to the landowners and say, how many serfs of yours have you died, have died? And I'd like to buy all of them or just give them to me. Because like, so the, the scheme that Chichikov came up with was that he was going to go to this town and he was going to buy all the dead serfs because you know, these landowners are still paying the taxes on these serfs even though they're dead. Mm-hmm. And so he says he'll go buy them or hope, hope that he's give them to him because, and he'll be responsible for the taxes. And, mm. you know, in the book, originally there's no, like, they don't say exactly why he wants to buy all these dead, dead serfs, but he basically wants to do it so that he can con the government at the end and say, right. Hey government, I got all these serfs 
would the government like some serfs? I have extra serfs. Pay me for them. So he was going to like go buy all these dead ones for and free sell it, yeah. and then yeah. sell the dead ones to the government pretending that they're real uh, and make wow. a bunch of money. You know, he was going to flip it. Yeah. So anyways, the reason that the book is called what it is is because in Russian, the bill of sale, like the paper, the ownership document for the serfs is called a soul. The mm. word soul is used for that piece of paper saying who owns a serf or not. And so he was, that's why it's called dead souls because he was buying dead souls. That was his business. But at the same time, you also got to see that the people, like the aristocrats who lived off of the labor of the serfs were really soulless people. And that this yeah. guy that came with this business scheme, this con artist with this get rich quick scheme was also a soulless person. So like it showed how like having a society that's bifurcated like this just creates soulless people who make mm -hmm. wealth uh, or their livelihood is dependent on owning or selling the souls of other people. Souls of other people. Wow. And so it's, and so that shows like the systemic, how it can be everywhere. And it's like, it's really easy to get that concept and apply it to the U S because also like the time period of this book is also uh, early 1800s. So like mm. right around like pre-civil war time revolution. In the US. Yeah. You know, back when Europe was having the industrial revolution and all the French revolutions and all that stuff, like Russia still out in the woods being yeah. like serfs, you know, figuring other, it out. <laughs> other places are like, we got factories and they're like, don't need them. Got a bunch of people. We're going to make right. them work like machines. And you can just really see the clear juxtaposition with the American South. Like it's just the yeah. same. And so it, uh, it really showed, you know, like a lot of the notion of being an individual or ownership or so many things that America just takes as just normal, logical stuff or just quite clearly just soulless actions that until someone shows it to you, like really bluntly, people will be hard. It'll be hard pressed for people to acknowledge it. And like dead souls does that. Uh, they yeah. just, um, and so like, it's, 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 it's just really quite profound, all encompassing word to describe American society at large in many ways. Mm -hmm. And without a doubt, the current president of the United States. I dig it. So in that, now that we understand like what posh loss is, what is like the opposite of it or how do we work against it? Like, is there like another word out there that kind of puts us in another direction to move that way? So I don't know if there's like a, a, a Russian word that is the opposite of posh lost, but okay. like the word that we would use is just dignity, like being dignified, mm. having, you know, like a dignified per like, for example, so like a, a dignified person or having dignity would be the, the opposite of posh laws. And, you know, we can use this clearly with just the American presidents. Barack Obama is clearly a dignified individual. There, there might be people that, you know, no, there definitely are people that disagree with him on stuff or whatever. Mm -hmm. But like even the people that disagree with him wouldn't say that he's undignified. But like Donald Trump is not a dignified person. Like, like there's been a lot of conversation before the, he became president and during his time that like 
Republicans and many people wanted him to be presidential. Right. To look in a way where he reflected the dignity of the office of the president. And that the hope was that the dignity of the office would just like make him dignified. Yep. Never happened. Didn't happen. Never happened. And it's never going to happen. And so being a dignified individual with a dignified life and a dignified, you know, you represent yourself with dignity is, is, is the counter to posh loss or vulgarity. So if you look at the systemic nature of posh lost or vulgarity in America, you can see that there is definitely like a need to encourage people at scale to be dignified. Cause that's, yeah. we've, we've definitely had a narrative where you can like be vulgar without us saying that it's vulgar and you'll just get rewarded and can rise to the top. Donald Trump has been a vulgar person for the entirety of like time that we've known him. There's just yeah. no doubt about that. And I don't think he became president despite his vulgarity. I think his vulgarity is one of the things that helped him become president. Led to his presidency, right. And so, no, just like dignity is, is, is the word that we would, you would use to counter, you know, being vulgar. And, and I think, I think most people have a pretty idea of what being a dignified person should be. And if they don't, then that like speaks to like how prevalent, uh, you know, being partially in America is. <laughs> yeah. You know, no, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. You know, how dignity is the other side of it because it, it, it relates to how you carry yourself. And, you know, going you, back to and how you relate to other people. Right. So, you know, going back to our word last week, Lapel David, and, you know, the concept of I think, therefore I am, and I am because we are definitely moving, you know, I look at it in the same way as posh losses that I think, I think, therefore I am, where dignity is the I am because we are. So someone who is dignified kind of moves in a way that is at least considerate of other people, themselves considerate of others, you know, which is, which is what I'm, you know, which is what I'm extrapolating from it or how, what I'm learning from this. Yeah. So dope. I think that um, makes sense. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, totally. Like, and you know, I think we've spent a lot of time, like we, as in, you know, people who have been indoctrinated or with Western ideas to like, mm-hmm. look at, uh, I think therefore I am as a very like dignified idea. <laughs> right. And yeah. like, it clearly isn't something that you can, that's scalable that will result in like good things happening. It can really, right. if you, it, it's just basically are saying like, if you think something, then it is. And it's, if you think it's good, then it is. And it will be right. And it's like, that's not real. Um, that can be very, like, if you only think good things, well then sure, that will, that would be dignified. <laughs> right. But like, no one does that. So it, it that, 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 that doesn't exist. It's not going to exist like that. All right. Dope. Well, you know, that's, you know, that's it for me in terms of posh loss. I think this was a very good, um, you know, explanation of the word and just like how it is resonant in our society right now. I got some more on posh loss. I got one bit more bit. So let me, <laughs> let me add yeah. this little thing to it because it's like one thing that's really interesting. If you look at politics and this kind of goes to, we have an election right now. 
So this is gonna be some quick history, mm-hmm. okay? Ukrainian history, and I think this is cool. So like Nikolai Gogol is a Ukrainian who wrote in Russian and lived in Russia, all right? So like the Ukraine and Russia have a relationship with Poshlost, and the Ukraine had a president in 2014 named uh, Viktor Yanukovych, who was a very corrupt pro-Russia president. And when, Ru- when the Ukraine was trying to get closer to the European Union, Yanukovych backed out of the deal and said, I'm going to strengthen our ties with Russia. And the Ukrainian people had protests that consumed the whole country. And it got to the point where Yanukovych just had to flee. Like his government was like mm-hmm. brought to a standstill. Like people were in the streets every single day. And when they got hit, rid of him, they, he fled to Russia. And he, he, the guy lives in Russia in exile to this day. He's just, when, when, oh, he, was, wow. when he was president, they, I think it was, it was estimated that his net worth was like $10 billion. And that he had spent wow. like 70 billion misappropriated funds of like the Ukrainian treasury. And so, so this dude fled the country. And when he got pushed out, the revolution, the one of the names for the revolution that got pushed him out was the revolution of dignity. Mm. And I look at this guy, I was like, this is what a posh lost head of state looks like. Yep. He's yep. just he's just this guy in here who is using the government for their own purposes, very corrupt, and he gets ousted. And so when he left, Yanukovych left, he couldn't take all of his houses in the Ukraine with him. Right. And so <laughs> so they went and like the people went and like stormed his houses that were left empty. And his houses are just like these like over the top gaudy monstrosities filled with like a bunch of expensive junk. And so now mm-hmm. like, you know, like it's kind of like with the mobster. You can't say like the mobster is poshly until like you know that they're a criminal and then you get to see their house, you know, like, yeah. like, you know, a person who's wearing undignified clothes, you can just see that. Like they're just walking down the street. But if the person's wearing really nice clothes and they look like everybody else, you don't really know that they're posh lost. And then you go, Oh man, he made all that money because he was extorting a bunch of people or doing a bunch of illegal stuff. And now his house is this tacky gross. Oh, what a vulgar loser. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. You know, when someone's like the, the head of state of a country, they're always wearing the suits. They're always right. doing the stuff to look dignified. They're always carried that way, right? They're always looking that way. You don't get to find out until they're poshly until like you get to look in their house and they get, right. or like their corruption or their vulgarity is so stark that you can't even, like the government doesn't function anymore. Wow. And so, yeah. So that, that also furthers the Trump connection. And to take it even more, like Yanukovych became president of the Ukraine in 2010 and mm-hmm. he ran against a woman and this woman would have been the first yeah. president of the Ukraine and uh, he, he won. Also, this is another crazy thing in 2006, I think it was no, mm-hmm. sorry, 2005, 2005, 2004, 2005, he ran for president. And 
he lost, but there was rampant voter fraud. And mm. so they, he actually, the election came back, said that Yanukovych won. And the Ukrainian people were like, that's impossible. Nah, nah no, son. And so there was a revolution then called the, I remember or, that. Called the Orange Revolution. Yeah. And so the Orange Revolution in like 2004 is the revolution that prevented Yanukovych from becoming president when he cheated. Mm. And so wow. then he just like, you know, was waiting and he ran the next time. And this time he won and they're like, you cheated again. And he's like, no, I didn't. And he became president. Well, his challenger his, was a woman named uh, Yulia Tomashenko. And she uh, <laughs> challenged him and was like, this election is, a, is, a, is, a, is fraudulent, a fraud. you know, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And right when that dude became president, he started like investigating her. Like the government was investigating her for corruption. She mm-hmm. became crooked. She became corrupt. She was the crooked one, right? Yeah, like, just, like Trump, her, right? just like Trump and everyone saying like, Hillary's crooked. She's the bad one. Da, 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 da. Right. Yanukovych did that for Tomashenko and threw her in jail. She was in jail wow. for like the entirety of his presidency. She got out of jail when he fled the country. And to make it even crazier, Paul Manafort, Trump's former like chief of staff, uh, campaign chief, mm-hmm. He worked for Tomashenko. Yep. He worked for Tomashenko on a smear campaign against, no, no, sorry. He worked for Yanukovych. Sorry, not Tomashenko. He worked for Yanukovych, the corrupt guy, the poshly guy, Mm -hmm. to do a smear campaign against Tomashenko. Right. So, like, when we're talking about, like, what a playbook is laid out, right? (laughs) Like, the playbook's laid out, and there's already, like, an example of what this looks like and like the ukraine's a fascinating country because parts of it are like very pro-russia but a lot of it's very Mm pro-europe and so they have like this tension almost like the u.s has like a north and south tension um (laughs) but interesting but so it's, it's really it's fascinating so like when it comes to an idea of like what does a poshly individual look like what does like a poshly mobster look like we know what that looks like what does a poshly head of state look like? Mm-hmm. We know what that looks like. Trump looks like all three of those ones right there. But then you right. also go like, what does a poshly society look like? We got that from dead souls. And like gotcha. the American South looks like that too. And as the ideas of the South spread across America, which they have for like the last hundred plus years, the whole society becomes, we'll begin that way. We'll becomes that more way. vulgar and crude and falsely important and falsely attractive and ugh. and like that's the u.s that's what we know you know well thank you for that you know analysis of the word pashlas you know it's definitely you know for me it's been interesting to see just how much it's tied to the past and in other countries and how it's really how our heads of state and how our country is running right now um, from an individualistic standpoint um, and being falsely important and falsely intelligent, you know, I'm going to keep using that. So dope. Well, thank you for, you know, that analysis today, man. And, you know, I hope, you know, we'll be back next week with another word to, you know, share with our audience to help explain the times. Yeah. Thanks, man. See you next week, guys. See you next week. Peace.